they're walking, they're running, they're sprinting fast and far away from them. They don't want to think about that. It makes absolutely no sense to me that they don't want to sit down and either at least have a conversation, not necessarily even reach across the aisle, but you're not going to comprehend something if you don't think that something is worth comprehending. And if you don't do that, you're potentially setting yourself up for disaster. Yeah. And I think that that is on both sides. That's working on the division of America, the one that everybody says doesn't exist and that we're causing it by talking about it. That's BS. <laughs> years later in 2020 we are back yeah man <laughs> and, and you immediately sounded like max hedron already frozen already frozen uh i'm unfroze man i'm unfroze in jesus name <laughs> this is not gonna be a good intro <laughs> i mean it's gonna be like the best worst one ever definitely the most organic it, it'll be organic all right Yep. Yep. Absolute. Absolute. Anyway, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome to the latest and greatest episode of I to I, short for Inspire to Inspire, the podcast that is all about being open, honest, and real, having conversations about life and faith. And of course, you know that we are willing to boldly go where most folks ain't trying to. And of course, um, I just put, I just got rid of my screen. Because Devin is so graciously uh, mocking me once again, I, I just need y'all to understand, you know how how um, adored I feel by by my Ida family, any much more adoring, and uh, it'd be homicidal. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, my name, of course, is Jordan, and my name is Devin, and I am just always impressed that you repeat the opening word for word every time I would totally butcher it. I would just be saying the same words in different orders. So that's all. It's what, what do they say? Uh, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. So that's all I was doing. Yeah. Yeah, sure. This is why we need a YouTube channel. So people can see that that's <laughs> absolute trash. Anyway. Yeah. I've heard people request this. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, next time I'll, I'll make sure that I come up like, like willing, going boldly to <laughs> You will not. You are too much of a professional. You will not. I guess you got to have a point, Uh, but that's good. Anyway, yeah, so we're we're happy to have you guys rocking with us. And uh, uh, this episode, you know, it's been a minute. Uh, We celebrated that 50th episode and then decided to take a two-second vacation. Not just that, but in the middle of uh, COVID-19 and in the middle of uh, an election that probably uh, took more lives than COVID-19, I feel like it was just a good idea to just you know, kind of hang out and chill. Uh, just a really, really good idea. Yeah. Devin, how are you doing, man? Yeah, it was nice to take a little bit of a beat there uh, and just <laughs> kind of process the world around us. You know, I'm uh, I'm doing pretty good. You know, doing pretty good. We're getting uh, this year wound down. I know toward the beginning of the year, you'd ask me that and I'd be pulling my hair out, which is substantially longer now than it was eight, nine months ago. And I found out yesterday 
that uh, schools are Jimmy's closed are coming again. Coming back home. <laughs> so, <laughs> I suppose <laughs> I basically ended up, you know, back where I was uh, earlier this year. I guess you're about to be bald um, again next week. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you know, at least it's a little bit of a old hat at this point. You know, Ty does a pretty good job of sitting there and doing his work, so it's it's not too bad. It's still it's not ideal. <laughs> But uh, the good news is we'll get through this week and then Thanksgiving is next week where he would have, I think, only been in school for about a day and a half anyway. So, you know, if people would just wash their hands, wear their mask, follow our end of show advice, then maybe this wouldn't be too big of a deal and they could go back uh, in two weeks. But I'm not going to hold my breath on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, if you really need to, you can always just move to Chesapeake. They don't care. <laughs> they're just going to keep sending them. Oh, they're still open. Okay. Chesapeake, Florida. Huh? <laughs> okay. Yeah, that just in my household, that's, that's a, that's not something we speak on right now. Because okay. I was going to say. for very homicidal situations. Yeah. How is your wife feeling about that? I imagine that uh, she would be a little more on edge about going into an environment that when things are spiking. Nah, on edge is no longer the word. I mean, I was trying to keep it PG for this uh, inspired podcast. No, nah, man, we're willing to boldly go. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nah. we, I, I join her and, and stand in solidarity of not being happy. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I don't know uh, that many folks from from CPS because if I did, <sighs> hmm. yeah, yeah. Let's let, let, let's just, let's just get a move on. Well, you know, before we go any further, uh, tomorrow is the NBA draft. Yeah. I'm excited, except I'm not because I was looking at the mock draft and my Atlanta Hawks are about to pick up somebody whom I've never even heard of before. And we're, we're infamous for that, with the exception of Trey. Hey, he's worked out. I mean, you probably hadn't heard of Luca before the draft. You probably hadn't heard of Jokic before the draft. Like, you know, maybe these no-namer guys work out. No, nah, see, there's a difference. You just classify. And by the way, I, I, I definitely heard of Luca. I watched Luca. I liked Luca. Uh, but we're talking about no-namers as opposed to European white boys, which is, we uh, all know now, thanks to Dirk Nowitzki, is, is no longer a secret. <laughs> oh, fly under the radar with me, bro. I suppose if it's a no-name American black guy, that's definitely not a good pick. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have no words for that. Well, yeah, because there's not many perfect. that have worked out. I guess Kawhi? Like, can you name the the unknown black American player? I mean, they didn't start off as unknown. I mean, you know, the Lillard. I mean, while we having that conversation, yeah, that's true. And and actually, Giannis was a little bit under the radar as well. I mean, probably because he was European, though. So. Yeah. See, that's the Europe. So black European, <laughs> black European, <laughs> white American. Yeah, they, like, they become yeah, black, the unknown black, black Euro African <laughs> kid. Yeah. Yeah. Just, well, I don't care about the draft because I think the Lakers just traded away their their first round pick so that we could get Schroeder. Is that how you say the last name? That's Schroeder. Actually, I'm kind of hyped that, he, that y'all got old boy, man. No, he's a he's a good player. He's a good player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's a baller. Now, wait, who's y'all get rid of again? I'm trying to remember. Was it Danny? Yeah, we got rid of Danny. Um, uh, you know, thank you, Danny, for all that you did. But at the but same time... in the finals, though. <laughs> at the same time, you really underwhelmed. <laughs> you were pretty much our big free agent who we waited and waited and waited upon and then got super hyped. Now, granted, you're a 3 and D. Um, you did the D stuff, 
you didn't really do the three stuff. <laughs> and it was at times infuriating to watch you when uh, KCP outplayed you pretty much every night. But uh, hey, we got the ring and he was definitely a part of it. Not taking anything away from him. Nah. But getting a solid uh, point guard who can come in, a uh, legitimate third option for scoring because it doesn't look like we're going to get Rondo back. And to be fair, Rondo's pretty much, he's playoff Rondo. Like, if anyone's playoff somebody, it's Rondo. It ain't Paul yeah. George, because regular season Rondo's pretty much worthless. <laughs> go back to layoff P again. Yeah. Yeah, never go about that one. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, that's that's good. I um, I I was going to make a really, well, it's not really a bad joke. I mean, it is really just an actual objective fact that I think that nobody is going to outwork KCP specifically because one reason and one reason alone. We have to remember that KCP is the only person in the history of the NBA to ever get to play because it was a condition of work release (laughs) 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 from from, from a court case. Which is surprising. It's surprising he's the only one. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, maybe he's not, but his was the only one that I know got some some actual recognizable attention. So, well, his uh, story for this season—I mean, what a redemption arc! I mean, Laker yeah. fans yeah. utterly despise that man. I mean, we did not like him at all. He was putrid last season, and then the start of this season because it was basically he's one of the uh, he's one of the LeBron guys, right? He's right, with right, he's yeah. with that whole crew and with the agents and the whole deal he's one of those guys and it it just seemed like we were paying him simply because he's boys with lebron and good lord did laker nation not like him at all and then what that guy did in the playoffs and the finals holy cow uh yeah 180 180 so you know if we uh i don't and i don't know if we're going to retain him he also backed out uh i know riveting free agent basketball talk for mid-level exemptions uh, right after an election. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so we should probably move on before we lose most of our audience. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess you got a point. Um, you know, and to that extent though, I don't know, but I think they may have already lost themselves, uh, in, in light of all of the amazing and wonderful things that have happened since this now, what, two weeks, uh, past, uh, election day. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. Where, where do you want to start? Because I, this, this, I got thoughts. <laughs> I don't even know. Well, boldly go. I'm, I'm gonna give everybody three new emails to hit. <laughs> I, I suppose what's weird is that where I would start is uh, congratulations to one Joseph Biden for winning the election, regardless of what anybody uh, on Fox News or on the GOP, specifically Lindsey Graham or Looney Tune, Rudy Giuliani, uh, who <laughs> stood in front of not the Four Seasons Hotel, but the Four Seasons Landscaping Company and <laughs> claimed so voter fraud. Um, so congratulations to uh, uh, President-elect Biden. And uh, listen, to a lot of people who might be listening to this who are the evangelical types, I know this is a difficult thing to stomach, but even China is congratulating him. Um, so let's, you know, let's just put that into perspective. Other countries, in fact, pretty much all of them with the exception of one, uh, what's it called? Oh, Russia. It, weird that Russia would 
be backing Trump, but that's neither here nor there. I just want to say uh, congratulations to Joe Biden, who uh, is a devout Catholic and uh, seems to be a pretty good person. So I'll just say that. Are you sure? Because I've heard a lot of things about him being like the Antichrist or something. Or No, I'm sorry. He's the portal to yeah. everything that's coming that is Antichrist. I don't know, man. I just... I think he's Antichrist adjacent because wasn't... Uh, didn't he serve under the original Antichrist? <laughs> I didn't think he was an Antichrist. I thought he was a, a, the terrorist who wasn't from here. Oh, no. I heard plenty of people call him the Antichrist. So... Okay. Well, cool. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what's up. That's fine, you know, too. That's what happens. That's what happens when you're happily married to one woman and are pretty much scandal-free. You're the Antichrist. That's how it works. You didn't know? I mean, I don't know. My whole thing has just been, I, there's, there's such a, there's such a rent on both sides concerning people's perceptions and how they just look so not going clean. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, I've, I don't know, bro. I've, I've listened to so many different conversations. I've had so many different conversations. I mean, that's why I did that little piece on Facebook. Cause I was just kind of at a point where I was sick and tired of it all. Yeah. And just listening to certain people and people sending me videos. And it was, I mean, bro, it was amazing. I mean, so many people sent me videos about all the evil, dumb nonsense that Trump has objectively done. And most of it, probably so. And then also uh, people have sent me videos of, of all the amazing and great things that, that Trump has done. You know, some of it can actually probably be verified. Yeah. Um, and the same thing with Biden. And they would keep asking me, well, what has Biden done? that was so reputable or so necessary for us to say that he's this, he's that, he's the other. And I'm just like, at the same time, yeah, what has Trump done? You know, and I mean, for me, you know, I, it's one of those things where I recognize that I revisited 2016 in this whole ordeal. Like, no matter where I was going, I was probably going with my nose held up more often than I would have liked to have done concerning either candidate. And I mean, that's, that's just me being forefront. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I have no problem with that. My, my, my biggest piece in it was just the simple fact that I would love to have a conversation with somebody if they could own the fact that they are deifying the mess out of their candidate. Right. Period. The end. Yeah. The last I checked, Biden or Trump, neither of them are second cousin to Jesus. Right. <laughs> no, even though both are old enough to be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I think, uh, you know, Biden was not somebody that I stumped for. Uh, I don't think I publicly supported Biden. Uh, Biden was literally the lesser of two evils. Unfortunately, since I turned 18 and had the ability to vote, I kind of feel like that's usually been the reason I voted, not because I'm super excited about one in particular, you know, president uh, or candidate. It just happens to be the person who's who's least likely to screw everything up. <laughs> I, I will say that I did hold my nose less this year than I did four years ago. Uh, four years ago, you know, it, it's no shocker that I'm not a fan of Trump for various reasons. You can go back and listen to all the podcasts and find out why. Uh, but <laughs> I also was not at all a fan of Hillary. Um, I felt that she was a very disingenuous candidate who basically just said what she could say publicly to get you to support her. I do feel like there's a, a quite a bit of genuineness behind Biden. And I also think that Biden's a, a very centrist candidate. He is not at all progressive. He did select a very progressive VP, 
But I think he did that in an effort to kind of win over some of the people, some of the younger, more progressive people in his party. Um, but at the same time, I've heard many, many conservatives say that Biden is really not at all a bad, pre- like bad pick for them because they know that he's not going to do anything that's totally outlandish. And to me, he's he's kind of a stabilizer for our country, if you will. I mean, if Trump was the ultimate boat rocker the last four years, Biden's not going to do that. He's not going to be a boat rocker. He's just going to kind of try to focus on staying in the center and keeping as many people in the country happy as he can, which I think is ultimately a good thing. Yeah. At the same time, though, I, you say people happy. Um, my, my hope is that he is not people pleaser. E. Um, and I, I don't really see him being that. I'm just saying, though, you right. know, in, in, in our current climate, there, there are too many folks that are are shaking too many hands and kissing too many babies. And, and really also- to, <laughs> We shouldn't be doing any of those things right now. <laughs> I'm proverbially, man. Proverbially. Yes. Well, keeping people happy is also proverbial. So, you know. You know- It's a two-way street. That, I, think, <laughs> I think that's the big conversation that needs to be on the table as well. You know, and I think that that really kind of falls on the heels of, of what this election really just became a representation of. You know, the expectation was that apparently- it was supposed to be a landslide victory on either side. And very quickly, it became very, it, it became apparent that that was not going to be the case. Um, you know, there was supposed to be no runoff. There was supposed to be no means for a challenge. I mean, obviously, I think the challenge and, and, and the runoff stuff was going to come anyway, because uh, if Trump lost, he made it very clear six, seven, eight, nine months ago that that was going to be uh, a fraud and that it was going to need to be investigated and, and all this other stuff was supposed to happen. But, right. you know, for me, eh, it, it just, it showed me the, the very ugly, ugly truth of the moment. And that's why I was talking about the whole deification piece. Well, it's, it, it makes you revision, revisionist history, historians, right? That's what it makes you. Yeah, revisionist historians. Yeah, because the deal is, is that, yes, uh, a lot of people on the more progressive side of things or or the left side of our country, they were hoping for some sort of a, quote unquote, blue wave, that it was going to be a landslide victory. And, you know, the fact is, is that Joe Biden is going to ultimately beat Donald Trump by four to five million overall votes from the popular vote, which is going to be more than the margin between him and Hillary, uh, Donald and Hillary. Uh, He's also going to win, I think he's on track to win about 306 electoral votes. Uh, Donald Trump won 304. And they would call that a land... I mean, Trump said it was the largest victory in the history of... (laughs) Victories, basically. I'm paraphrasing. But but the fact is, is like... To call that a landslide where you lose by 3 million in the popular vote, but you win 304 electoral votes. And then four years later, you lose by 5 million and the other guy gets 306 electoral votes. Like numbers don't lie. Like you you can't just make this stuff up. You can't just say what you want to say because it suits your narrative. And what's going to be interesting to me is I've seen so many people posting or saying, and it's not just people in our own world, Jordan. It's people who run churches <laughs> across our nation. Oh, here we go. Prophesying that Donald Trump was going to win and that Donald Trump is, by the way, still going to win. That God mm-hmm. is going to somehow intervene with our election. 
So here, here comes the problem, right? So this becomes the uh, sweaty button pusher meme. So on one side, if God does not intervene with the election and Trump loses, that means that Trump was never the quote-unquote ultimate chosen one to you know, correct America and bring us back into God's good graces. But on the other side, if God does intervene and Trump still loses, then that means that our election system in America is stronger than God? Well, that doesn't make sense either. Well, the problem is it's, it's only one of those two things. So it's going to shatter a lot of realities in one form or fashion. No? Well, see, that's, that's, uh, that's my entire point outside of the fact that I was really just about to say I was going to hold my tongue on it, but nah, it's already too late. <laughs> um, we need to stop making partisan politics our God. Exactly. Um, and that idolatry is just, it's, it's out there. It's, it's been out there. And, you know, for what it's worth, it's probably going to be out there for another good four to eight years. Um, and or it's, forever. It's, 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 <laughs> It could, I mean, it could be, could be. Well, you know, there, there's a, there's a completely different conversation connected to that. Um, this episode of Eye to Eye is brought to you by Janique Locks. If you're looking to get started, there's no better place. She specializes in all kinds, dreadlocks, micro locks, sister locks, lock extensions, instant locks, interlocking, and more. If you're in the 757, please don't hesitate to contact her. You can find her on Instagram at Janique Locks. That's G-E-N-I-Q-U-E-L-O-C-S, Janique Locks, or you can find her at her website, JaniqueLocks.com. Janique Locks, where locks are envied. All right, let's go ahead and start this podcast, man. You know, and it's it's actually, I'm glad that you, that you just said, because that's a kind of a perfect segue into my thought process on that. And that is this. You know, we were talking about white evangelicalism and we we're talking about, um, you know, everything that uh, we discussed when we, we interviewed uh, Kristen DeMay about Jesus and John Wayne. Yeah. And I had, I don't know if you want to call it a revelation, an epiphany or whatever the case may be. And this is going to be, how do I explain this best? Okay. So you're a Laker fan, obviously. Yes. And if, let's just say we found out that LeBron uh, pulled a Carl Lentz or something tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? And oh wow, you know, it, okay, it was, that's yeah, what, okay. That we're using that as a verb now. <laughs> well, you know, I'm speaking wow, in the objectivity because okay. when it comes down to it, I don't want to. Sh- I don't want to discuss Carl. Okay. Um. Nor do you know, I. Just, <laughs> just you yes. know, I, we we at I to I are aware. <laughs> period. The end. Yeah. There you go. Uh-huh. Um. And you know, pray for him restoration, everything else that every Amen. single human being deserves. Amen. Absolutely. Let, let the man zero judgment from, from me, you know? Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the man has his penalty. Yeah. And man, I bet it's a heavy penalty. Um, but yeah, so let's just say LeBron does something ridiculous and outlandish okay. outside of the character and the nature that we know of him. Um, and, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be hurt. And I'm pretty sure that whatever it is, though, you'll find a way to reconcile You'll, you'll redeem whatever you need to redeem, and you're still going to be a Lakers fan. Yeah. We're not talking about fandom here. Right. We are talking about people's faith. Right. And not just that, but we're talking about the infrastructure of their faith. And so this is what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking these people have spent years, and I know this now because I've been a part of this for a good 10 to 15 years directly. So I know all about it. It's not like a, you, you, you can't tell me nothing different. 
Um, they've spent years in, in this realm. They've spent years under this teaching, whether it's directly or indirectly. They've spent years in these social circles. They've spent years making this the phenomenon of their culture. Right. And most of them, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, are realizing that at least part of this is malfeasance or malpractice. Or manipulation. And some of it is a flat-out <laughs> lie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you manage that? The thoughts that I've kind of put to this, one is obviously the party over principles, party over people, whatever you want to call it, right? That ideological divide that's happened in this country, the us versus them. What's kind of crazy to me, and, I, and I've heard really smart people talk on this, um, you know, Legend was one of them who spoke on this, where he's mm-hmm. like, I can be pro-Black Lives Matter and pro-life. <laughs> Unfortunately, the two political parties decide that I can't, that I have to be either, you know, both of one or both of the other. And these these binary options that they're giving us or these zero-sum yeah. games that they're giving us, they're worthless. It It is dividing the church. It is dividing families. It's dividing friends. When I'm looking at statistics, the last time that there was a poll done on Christians or people who at least would say they identify as Christian in America in 2015, 75% of the nation still said that they were they identified as Christian in some form or fashion. 75%. You would think that that number is down to like, you know, 45% based on the rhetoric that we keep hearing. Well, the problem is, is that we are not aligned as a church, an overall church, the capital C church that you like to say. We are not aligned with a platform. If 75% of America is considering themselves Christian, then that is the biggest voting group, the most powerful group of people that exists in America beyond whites, beyond blacks, beyond Hispanics, beyond any, beyond men, women. That number is larger than any of them, which makes us the most powerful group. Yet we don't have a quote unquote candidate that becomes a Christian candidate that's actually fighting for equality when we're talking about race or equality when we're talking about, uh, you know, genders. Okay. And when I say genders, I mean men and women. I'm not talking about gender identities. I'm talking about the, you know, binary man, woman uh, situation. We don't have the people who care about what's going on with police brutality and the people who care about what's going on with unborn babies in this country. They're not coming together. They're being divided by political groups, which means that we are putting political thought and ideology well before we're putting the thoughts of God. And one of the reasons why I think that is, and we talked about this a little bit when uh, we talked about the, the Jesus and John Wayne book, was the fact that enemies are so necessary. And this stuck out to me recently because I've been you know, I've mentioned this. I've been going through a lot of Paul's writings, right? I've been going through Corinthians and Galatians and Colossians and Philippians and, and so on and so forth. And what's so wild about that to me is that most of those letters, Paul wrote while in prison, right? 
Right. Paul yeah. wrote these things while he was literally facing a political enemy who was actually trying to oppress him versus Hero. this 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 so-called oppression that we face here in America. So Christians right. are being faced with oppression in a quote-unquote Christian nation. That first of all, that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> so so basically <laughs> Paul's in prison and he's writing these letters. And what has stood out to me so much throughout these letters is kind of these these two themes primarily. The first theme is focusing on who we are in Christ and who we are in salvation and who Christ truly is, the, you know, the true gift of what he did for us while dying on the cross. And then the second theme is the utter division within the churches. And the division is spoke about across all these churches. And if you look at a map, it's churches all over the place. It's churches in Asia. It's churches in Europe. It's churches in uh, the Middle East. It, they're all over the place. And every church is having the exact same problem of division. And a lot of that has to do with you have Jews and you have Gentiles. You kind of have this old school and this new school. And we're dealing with that today because if, you know, 90% of black churches are voting Democrat and 90% of white churches are voting Republican, we're dealing with the exact same thing today. But one thing Paul never talks about is the quote unquote enemy that is holding the church down. Everything is within the walls of the church. It's figured out within the church. You guys have to come together and have a direct message based on who Christ is supposed to be. He has redeemed all of us. It is not this, this Old Testament narrative, which is constantly being either chased by enemies or you're chasing enemies or you're fighting enemies or you're being persecuted by enemies and everything is wrapped up in enemies. The moment Christ died on the cross, the enemy thing went away so much so that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, right? If we believe that, why are we so terrified of enemies left and right? <laughs> why are we doing that? And instead, See, that's, we're looking uh, at Jesus. enemies as our, our, we're looking at our neighbors, our friends, our family who go to the same church and believe in the same God as our enemy. And the reason we're doing that is because politicians in this country win if they can deceive us into believing that. Yeah. Nah, the the fear migraine piece. It's funny because you went on that entire rabbit trail, and it was going to be valid and necessary, so I'll let you do it. But it was actually, it actually had nothing to do with what I was getting ready to say. So thanks, appreciate it. But yep, um, sure. <laughs> I'm messing. <laughs> um, no, my 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 big piece is this though, and this is this is why I, I think I said what I wanted to say. Um, when 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 let's use that word when some of these folks recognize that everything you just said is the truth. I don't know, this might, be the, this, this might be the roughest thing I, I think I've said on this podcast. They're going to have to detox from a false faith. Yep. At best. They're going to have to decondition from that. And I, I don't know, I feel bad because I'm, I'm not saying this like because I can see exactly where some people are going to think I'm coming from on this. No, I'm not trying to say this is as a black man, thinking that my experience and my black version of my faith, and actually it's a very well-rounded faith. I've been around enough white folk and everybody else on the in-between to, to really have a comprehensive understanding of faith. Um, I think that some folks aren't really going to know what to do with that. I'm afraid that some of them are going to fall away because they've been lied to 
or yeah. because they, you know, and I, that that rips me in half. Like that really is breaking my heart right now because I'm thinking about that. And I'm thinking that these people that I know and love, you know what I'm saying? And maybe not, have, maybe don't agree with 110% as no one should agree with anyone 110%. You know what I'm saying? Even the understanding of our Bible is subject to interpretation to the point where we're not going to have it all figured out before we enter into eternity. But then there's that word right there. You know what I'm saying? And and that's my my last point on this, because if not, I will not let this go. People are treating our current situation like we have already stepped into eternity and we have not. Right. Yeah. Like this is, this is who Mike Ty said, this is just dress rehearsal. This is not the show. Yeah. But a lot of people think that we've already arrived. And, and, and a lot of that falls on and is hinged upon this nonsense that partisan politics has produced. Partisan politics has usurped. The, no, I'm sorry. Who somebody, who somebody said it. The partisan gospel has usurped the, the actual biblical gospel. And really, that's on both sides. You know what I'm saying? There, there's oh, there's sure. a liberation theology that, that doesn't want to go let go of the fact that, that black folks, people of color, um, you know, we, we are fighting for freedom. And we are. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We are fighting for that right now. But it doesn't change the fact that we also have to use another F word, and that is forgive. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of folks whose gospel and whose idea, whose theology on this whole, on this subject matter, it, it doesn't lend its lens to that. And then on the other side, we do. We have these white evangelicals and other folks who feel like, I don't know, you know, after talking to Kristen with the whole a historical piece, and then the fact that a lot of them are very myopic because they think that we need to take care of now and not thinking about five, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Not thinking that for them fighting for this one person, because they think this one person is fighting for their freedoms are actually potentially compromising their ability to have that freedom in about 10, 20 years when people who are younger than their, their average demographic age group are not coming to them and that they're walking, they're running, they're sprinting fast and far away from them. They don't want to think about that. It makes absolutely no sense to me that they don't want to sit down and either at least have a conversation, not necessarily even reach across the aisle, but you're not going to comprehend something if you don't think that something is worth comprehending. And if you don't do that, you're potentially setting yourself up for disaster. And I think that that is on both sides. That's working on the division of America, the one that everybody says doesn't exist and that we're causing it by talking about it. That's BS. And so, (laughs) you know, that's, that's, that's kind of, that, that's where I am in this right now, because, you know, I'm looking at this and, you know, as you're, as you're talking about what you're talking about, the, the thing that I just continue to think about is when, if people have a chance to read a book like that, or maybe watch some kind of documentary and, and see these things and they're faced with it. And again, that's why it breaks my heart. Like, what do you do? How do you respond to that? I mean, I know you've you've had an awakening. You you're, you say the wrong word, but the right word woke. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. No, it, no, it's it's true. You know, I mean, I certainly I've gone 180 in my perspective of the world by simply listening to others and opening my mind up to allowing narratives and stories that do not correlate with my own. Because the fact is, is that we can never understand this world through life experience alone. If we simply hold true to our life experience as the true north of how the world operates, 
that's never going to work. You're never going to have the whole picture and you have to be willing. And I know on this side, you know, on this, on this podcast, we seem to really knock Christians, evangelicals or the right. Well, the reason why we do that is not because, you know, people who are progressive or liberal are not equally to blame, but we do it because that's the primary population of the world that Jordan and I are a part of. And it, it hurts so much in dealing with our brothers and sisters in Christ and seeing them kind of fall prey to some of the things that are going on in this world, the way they're able to be manipulated in ways. And, and it's not because they want to be, but in a lot of ways, it's because, you know, when you're dealing with a life of faith, it requires you to trust people that their intentions are good. That's, I mean, faith really kind of fills in the gap between, you know, understanding and fact and kind of the information that's there to get you all the way <laughs> to what you believe to be the truth. Well, we can fall victim of doing that with, with regular people because we do it with God. And, you know, I was reading something recently the theory of cognitive dissonance, right? And mm. so, so Festinger, yeah. uh, f- psychologist Leon Festinger, back in 1954, he had joined a cult called the Seekers. So he joined them and basically their leader at the time preached about a UFO that would come and rescue them before the planet was destroyed on December 21st of 1954. When that didn't happen... Okay, and this is a lot about what I was talking about where you've got the two buttons, which one is it? Because it's this contradiction. (laughs) When that didn't happen, many of the members left and we're seeing that, right? We're seeing a lot of people who are very staunch uh, Trump supporters say, look, dude, you lost the election, like move on so that we can move on, right? You're seeing some, you're seeing detractors. But he says that many of the inner circle remained they stuck around and they invented all kinds of rationale as to why the prophecy didn't come true. Right. So, yeah. so instead of really looking at the fact, they just kind of filled in the gaps to keep themselves around. So he said they basically just doubled their devotion by bringing up all these things that didn't actually exist to kind of rationalize why this happened. And that's how he developed the theory of cognitive dissonance. And he says that humans will do just about anything to resolve contradictions between deeply held beliefs about the world and the reality of the world that they live in. They'll do anything they can because it is so unpleasant. And it's, he uses the word disorienting and catastrophic for our egos that no amount of absurd, tortured reasoning is worse than the reality of contracting uh, or contradicting a deeply held belief. <laughs> that is like, that's crazy, right? But yeah. that's but that's human behavior. Yeah, that's that's exactly, I don't know. It's, it's so funny because I can tell you right now, um, you cut out for about a good 35 seconds and I knew everything you said <laughs> you cut out. Um, because, you know, I don't know, man. It, it call me a broken record because I think I've talked about this before. And if I did, I guess it bears repeating, obviously. That is the issue with the lack of understanding of what our Bible is and what it represents. Right. Because and we were actually, it was funny, we were talking about this uh, in, a, in a Bible study and uh, in, in staff meeting this morning. I was just talking about uncertainty. And, you know, 
I'm sorry, like maybe to a fault, but when I think about uncertainty, it actually gives me a sense of peace because Hebrews 11, one says that faith is what the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, you know, there's some things that I am hoping for, and there's definitely some stuff that I am currently not seeing. Mm -hmm. And that means that I'm probably right where I need to be. And the problem with it is, is that most folks in our culture, and you know, it's so funny because you, know, I, I, yeah, I do. I, I can see it sometimes. We, it, it seems like we pull bias. I'm sorry, Jesus at the center, and and what it comes down to is, um, if I have a big issue with the right, and I got, I got big issues with both. And yeah. we can gladly talk about both of them one day. But if I got a big issue with the right, it, it's simply this: they want to couch everything that they have in power, control which are two words that are a representation of certainty. Yeah. And so, you know, they want to <laughs> have all the certainty. And so that whole cognitive dissonance piece that you're talking about, that's exactly, that's all that is. The creation and the, the staunch and firm belief in conspiracy theories. Yeah. That sound like they just have to be true. Yeah. And then you want to, you know, just, and, 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 and for what it's worth, I am so sick and tired of if there's anything that I'm really, really done with, whether it be on Facebook or anything else, or even just having conversations with certain individuals, <laughs> it is that. Yeah. It is absolutely that because that's when you get comfortable with the other stuff. That's when, oh, of course it makes sense to show somebody, um, you know, them twins or, or, or Candace Owens because they obviously have a grip on what I already know. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm even stepping out of my own zone because, you know, this is this is environmental absolutism. So never mind. I'm stepping right back in it. <laughs> that's your buzzword of the year. It is. It's definitely the shoot. That's the buzzword of life right now. Right. Man. And that's that. That's my whole thing is that, you know, I, I love the fact that I can wake up every morning not certain of what's going to happen. If you have certainty, you don't need faith. And exactly. And so there there in itself is the contradiction. And so what we do is we we make up all these enemies and all these isms, you know, back to that discussion I had about the enemies. I mean, I've I've seen multiple uh, pastors go into many teachings or preachings or Sunday <laughs> Sunday services talking about all the isms and all these things that are coming for us. And they're yeah, creating these enemies out of nothing. Don't make the, me name names, bro. No, I oh mean, listen... People who listen to this podcast probably already know the names. And I'm not going to say names because, eh, yeah, we don't I mean, time. we don't really need to. But the fact is, is that we're creating these enemies that they're not listed in the Bible. The enemies aren't listed in the Bible. Guess what, everybody? America's not in the Bible either. And pretending like America is founded by basically God himself, get out of here. You were manipulated from day one. From day one, you were manipulated. You know, because we have in God we trust on our money, on our money of all things. Like, that's pretty damn ironic. Like, let's put in God we trust on our money because that'll show everyone that even though from a money standpoint, we still just, it's God who did all this. Like, come on. It was man who set up this country. Some were Christians. Plenty were not. Trust me. Plenty were not. I know we think everybody who signed the Constitution was a devout Christian. It's not, not true. Not true. Okay. That's, again, that's revisionist historians <laughs> coming along <laughs> and acting like America is basically synonymous with, uh, you know, Israel. Uh, <laughs> and, 
It is not, oh, not people. Come on. Dude, don't even get me started <laughs> on that. inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does. <laughs>